Welcome to the Western Sports FC podcast. We're back with two games to discuss from the weekend as both of our senior sides picked up victories by the smallest of margins. We'll also discuss the impact of 3G pitches and what, if anything, has gone wrong with the FA Cup. Our Predict the Score still has a prize pot of £1,000 for just a pound stake and you can enter by getting in touch with us via social media or our website or alternatively contacting any of the players who all have entry slips. It's Tuesday the 19th of February and with me tonight are Alex Murphy, Tom Beert and Matty Phillips who are all trying to look too, look, look too knackered after training and trying to ignore the sounds of munching crisps and the sounds of the Bayern Munich-Liverpool match in the background. Okay, first up. First team was away at Holt on Saturday. Um, there's been a bit of squad rotation due to injuries and availability and that carried on again with three more changes from the side with... Uh, Scott Smith, Nick Voss and Callum Thompson all coming in. Barrett dropping down to the bench with injury and Liam dropping down the bench and Carney, Carney un- unavailable through injury. So more changes, sort of disruptive or didn't notice? Uh, I wouldn't say didn't notice because all good players who dropped out but the other lads who came in were equally as good. Um, Nick kind of swaps with Stobbsy each week it seems. Um, both are... Uh, Real quick, direct players. Um, I think Nick was probably a bit gutted to be dropped against Blamford, but came off the bench and made an impact. So um, he was back starting. Um, Scotty Smith came in at centre half. He was he was class. He's been really good since Ollie Wake um, has been been away with I think pneumonia and that Wakes, um, which obviously no good. And then you got Carney who is suffering with a really bad bout of fob, which uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what that means is fear of being benched. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. Um, so we were started the game, and the, the weather was decent. The pitch was in well better nick than perhaps I thought it was going to be, and fairly flat and nice conditions. And we were playing down the slope to start with, and started quite well. Yeah, I think we got a corner quite early. Um, Sweeter had obviously been instructed to do it, and we have uh, four who attack it, which I think was. Don't go giving away too no, much, no, Murph. I won't, I won't. Uh, me, Scott, Manley and Hen, I think. And um, Sweeter whipped a good ball in. Uh, Scott got his... Uh, peeled off at the back post and sort of headed back across goal. And I'd made the near post run and was there and just couldn't sort my sort my feet out. And it kind of bobbled up off my knee um, into the hands of their keeper. So it was a bit gutted to not get a better, better shot on target there. But we sort of continued to apply a lot of early pressure and it, it wasn't too long before the breakthrough did come and it was created by a new sign-in, Callum Thompson. Yeah, it's the first I've ever met or seen of Cal, but he looks like a really, really good player um, on his first 20 minutes. Um, I think he picked the ball up and kind of drove with it down the right and looked like he'd maybe been pushed out onto an angle where it was going to be difficult to get across him, but he... Uh, put across a really nice ball just sat up at the back post and Nick Voss obviously back in the starting lineup, running onto it to uh, fire into a uh, fire into an empty net so yeah great cross and um, two relatively new lads linking up okay so we're we're 1-0 up after 15 minutes away at Holt which is a you know it happens to be winning away at Holt at any point what was the thoughts of the people on the bench at this point Tom the management I thought team. we were doing I thought we were doing quite well. Um, they had a few good chances straight after after we scored. Sam Watts kept us in it in the first half and the second half. Um, 
we were expecting a bit more of a ref battle from Holt. Holt didn't give away quite as many free kicks as what they did in previous games. Um, other than that, we were quite happy to get the early goal to help settle us because before they've they've got the early goal and then frustrated us for the rest of the game. So it's a nice change for us to be in the lead at Holt. It doesn't happen. Well, it hasn't happened for quite a while. And we, we had a chance to make it two. Um, pulled through to Nick, who went past the keeper, but defended it well, or could have done better with the shot? Well, I shouted at him to square it to me. I think me and Hen were running through. Um, I think he got to it before the keeper, or something like that, or won it, won it away from a break. And uh, he kind of had quite a bit of goal to aim at but because uh, there was a defender on the line me and Hen were on side kind of running onto it and he could have played a uh, fairly simple ball across to either of us I think but uh, I don't think Nick heard us because <laughs> <laughs> recurring theme round here um, and then I guess as the half went on Holt did start to come back into the game they started to uh, maybe not create loads of good chances, but they did have a, a couple of good chances. Um, you know, Nathan Saxby was sort of played through on one, and Sam Watts made a great save. And you know that if he gets chances, he's going to score eventually, don't you? So it's it's a little bit concerning when that starts to happen. Yeah, the I played against him last year in the final for the reserves, and I think he scored in that. He might have even got a couple. He was uh, real lively, and um, Scott and. Um, Scott Smith and Manley had said after the game how like difficult his runs are and how good a player he is and I think obviously I've not had too many games against him but the general feeling from most of the firsts was that uh, he's someone who's normally you know don't give a second chance to Okay and then there was the biggest controversial moment of the season we're trying to avoid covering it but I guess I guess we have to Uh, how did it look from your point of view Mers? I thought it was Stonewall um, <laughs> I was I think the ref kind of diffused the situation and didn't send you off which was <laughs> was good of him but uh, yeah definite definite uh, yellow so that's your first booking ever Phil uh, in nearly 20 years of playing for Westlands that was my first ever booking and not only for Westlands first ever booking ever and it was somewhat harsh and I don't want to go into it here too much because you know you can get picked up for things you say on things like this and social media and um, from my point of view it wasn't a booking uh, I think I've been overdue one particularly as you get older and slower um, I think I've got away with a few over the years because some referees have been refereeing me for a long time and know I'm not that type of player so it's probably due but it's disappointing that it's come I would turn very softly and the original foul was probably committed on me but there we go that's real end all so Tom we were 1-0 up at half time um, what was the management team's thoughts on that and do you think we'd have to score again to win the game or did you think we could defend it and keep a clean sheet well obviously we probably need we were looking to get the second goal that would definitely settle us down um, again you've mentioned Saxby he was causing us a lot of trouble so we were probably thinking that getting the second goal would be good with uh, who's the other striker who was the number nine number nine is uh, Ali Garrard Ali Garrard I think you pronounce it he was looking strong so they they are strong going forward Um, really I think what we've swapped 
Johnny Manley, Scott Smith, they were all performing well. And with Barrett on the bench to come on, we were looking that we could control the game at 1-0. And second half was, was going on, and I guess Holt had a lot of lot more possession second half and certainly had the bulk of the possession in the half and we were more reliant on, on breaks but we were looking dangerous on the odd break and you had a chance Murphs yeah I think I can't I think um, there was a mistake at the back and um, I think Callum Thompson might have won the ball I think Cal won the ball and then sort of back heeled it through to me and um, I think I, I thought I probably had less time than I did and tried to kind of from the edge of the box bend it in first time when I probably could have taken a touch and gone quite a bit closer and had a bit of an easier finish so uh, yeah that was that was disappointing but yeah we uh, we um, we definitely were backs against the wall for the second half okay. and I guess after, just after an hour gone um, it's we were able to bring on Adam Barrett I mean bringing on the I know he's been had a little problem with injuries over the last couple of games but bringing on the, the club captain is, is you know, gives you a little lift at, to some degree. Yeah, Ad seems to um, suffer quite a bit with little knocks and niggles and things like that, and it's probably a bit frustrating for him because uh, he has games like where were we? Was it Shaftesbury away on yeah. midweek where he looks class, and then you know he does a job and plays centre half for you in the next game, and then just picks up a knock and has to go on the bench, and uh, it's probably a bit disappointing for him. But it's always good when he comes on because you know what he can do. Um, good to get his foot on the ball and can normally uh, produce something for you. And he nearly did because he managed to get a shot off the far post, cutting inside and smashed one off the far post. Nah, you did. You're helping him out there. First of all, he should have cut it back to people, including myself, running onto it. And then it's bubbled back to him and he's kind of flung his foot at it and it's bounced off the top of the crossbar back into place. So don't don't overdo it for him. But <laughs> no, he, um, he, he came on and made some driving runs and he, um, he did apologise and assure me that the first shot was a cutback that sliced off his foot, but it looked like a shot to me. Okay, and then we're going into the dying seconds now. So, Tom, talk us through this from a management team point of view. You're there on the touchline. There's, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute left of this game, probably as part of injury time. Uh, we've defended pretty well for most of the second half under a lot of pressure without really conceding too many proper chances. And then finally, there's a through ball. Uh, I'm not sure it was. I think it might have been is it the number four. No, number two number two was it yeah. which has been James uh, Nathan, Nathan Redwood. Redwood he's gone through on goal it's a good run he's timed it well he's onside he does everything right he rounds Sam Watts he's about 16 yards out but on an angle and it takes the worst bobble and he shins it off for a goal kick so how did the management team's feelings go for that was it despair to elation was it just head in your hands and not looking what was how was it on there well, it was a definite goal. It was a definite. It, it was going in, and from where we were, we didn't really see the bubble, so you couldn't see what what was happening. Their management were ten yards on the pitch, <laughs> celebrating, and uh, it's relief, relief at the end of it. Could everyone have worked so hard? So in the end, I think we played pretty well overall. You know, you've got to play well to get a win out of Hulk. Let's be honest about it. Um, you know, Sam Watts had a, had a great game, and but at the, in the very dying minutes, we got a bit of luck. But you need a bit of luck sometimes, and that's a great three points away at Hull, isn't it? 
yeah, from from what the lads say, it's always been a tough place and not too much of a sort of happy place that Westlands have been to at Holt the last few years. But um, there's, I think we were chatting after the game and saying that I think the first team of you know just kind of started to over the last few months grind out results like Bolty away, you know, um, Blamford twice, Shaftesbury, um, Holt, I think. Merely Cobham, we battled for a point there with Swatsea's save, the cup game against Hamrek, things like that. We're just kind of finding ways of of winning and sticking together even when we're sometimes backed against the wall. So hopefully that continues into the next few weeks with some big games. OK, so in the DPL it was Blanford 1, Dorchester Sports 2, Bridport 1, Cobham 4, Gillingham 2, Corfe Castle 1, Hamrek 2, Stone Newton 0, Portland 3, Swanage 5, Shaftesbury 1, Bolty 1 and Wareham 0, Sherborne 2. That leaves Hamrack top of the pile, uh, two points clear of us and we are three points clear of Cobham. So it is somewhat tight at the top. There is a bit of a gap after that but certainly all to play for and um, we're looking forward to the sort of run-in. Okay, uh, moving on to the reserves game then. They had a difficult trip to Cranbourne. Played Cranbourne just before Christmas. They came to Alvington and if we're honest about it, give us a bloody good humping uh, completely deserved the form win on the day out for out battled out classed and I guess we knew it was going to be a big challenge to put that right Matty yeah I mean the first the home game when we played them at home uh, they beat us 4-1 pretty convincingly uh, probably one of our worst performances really so we knew going into this game the weekend it was going to, have to be a, a game where work ethic um, was, was needed and it wasn't going to be a game where we could just sell through and pick up three points really um, and that's sort of how it panned out. Okay, and uh, I guess we had a, a, a new signing as well for the reserves. I'm pleased to say he's the uh, oldest player I've signed on for the club. Uh, Matt Alford, uh, been retired for a few years as a goalkeeper, but came back. Did the lads know him, or did they know what to expect, or did they just see someone who's a bit old and were a bit worried? Uh, well, no, no, no one knew really. I think John knew him. He got him in because Pip was away. Um, so yeah he started in goal for us um, yeah and, and coming on to game in a minute um, he made a pretty substantial save within the last two minutes uh, we also had a debut for Dan Ewins wasn't it for a yeah, senior Dan debut Ewins. Dan Ewins from the under 18s yeah. yep um, so we had three under 18s with Dan being his senior debut and he um, he had something to play within the last two minutes as well so our new young young player and our oldest player both um, sort of had a out well, how to play and how the, the game outcome was really and have you played out Cranbourne before have the lads played out Cranbourne on a pitch that slopes two ways and you know it's difficult you normally get the, the people coming out of the houses just on kick off time to give you 90 minutes of abuse before disappearing back in was that was that all the same as it always has been um, no I don't well the fans went on the sideline to begin with um, I think a few of the lads played out I mean I've played out before I think I scored my first touch one game when I come on there <laughs> oh, that's it um, oh. You wouldn't forget something like that, no. Mike. Um, but then, no, the fans that are normally there are sort of giving you a lot of grief on the sideline weren't there, so that may have helped us. But um, it was it was a game that didn't not much happened really in in the game. But yeah. Okay, so I mean, I haven't we unfortunately we haven't been able to uh, get the match report uh, circulated before we talk about this. But I was talking to uh, 
JR manager uh, just before he went on his holiday to Italy I mean his work trip to Italy this week and uh, I said to him what's your match report going to say or send it over to me he goes nothing happened for 88 minutes and then it all started is that a fair reflection of the first 88 minutes? Yeah pretty much Um, it wasn't because of lack of trying I think everyone was trying and putting the work in it was just it was just that um, just putting the things together really every pass in the final third was slightly over hit or slightly under hit um, I didn't think it was always going to be if someone's going to score it always felt like Westerns would score I mean I think that's the defence is fourth or fifth clean sheet in a row now um, so we're doing pretty well defensively but it was, all, it was a game of not much happening just what, what if really until the last two minutes really OK so let's get to the last two minutes then and I think the drama started in our penalty area yeah I think it's from a free kick um, that I think it's a centre field he's, he's hit the ball Cleanly, and it's, it's looked like it's going pretty much top corner. It's took a nick off the wall and took it even further into the top corner. It's, it's an adamant goal. Uh, and our new goalkeeper signing um, has literally come from nowhere and tipped it onto the post. Um, incredible save. Probably, I think it's Scott Morgan, I said, one of the best saves he's seen within the game um, where he's played in. So, yeah, credit to, credit him to, to himself, really. Yeah, fantastic from Matt Alford, um, rolling back the years. And then from there, I hear in between that and the, the next incident in the game, there was an incident with a greenhouse. Is that correct? Yeah, I think someone's cleared the ball off. Cleared the ball off. Um, it's gone absolutely miles. Um, and then within a few seconds later, we just hear a smash of a greenhouse. Someone's <laughs> got a, a big bill to play, pay there. Well, pro- probably the football club, but there we go. That's unfortunate. Um, football clubs are always struggling for money so you don't like to see them have to cough up some more but at least it wasn't one of our players that's, that's a positive uh, and then as a result the clearance went out we got a throw in and from the throw in talk us through what happened yeah I think it's I think obviously Jack Dick of most of you don't know he's got a pretty large throw in um, so he's took the throw in I think um, I think at the time Dan Newins was sitting on the edge of the box or maybe sort of holding back a bit and John's screening for him to get in the box um, so it's gone in it's took a couple of flicks and Dan Owens managed to just get his head on it at the back stick sort of loop it back into the box and um, Charlie Gay probably with his only proper chance he's had a couple of half chances in the first half which he sort of toe poked into the side net and maybe could have done a bit better with but he's managed to pop up with a winner to give us that crucial 1-0 win which keeps us rolling on and in our hands to win the league now still and it's always, you know, when you win last last kick of the game, particularly away, uh, always a difficult place to go with Cranbourne. They always, they always know how to play their pitch, don't they? It's a, you know, it's a, it's a very tricky place to go. I mean, that that sort of victory feels extra big, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, John was. He said he's going to go in, come into the game after the game, saying what if could have happened, and it's a bit of a boring game. But that one nil goal turned it around. I think. Um, Cranbourne got a few players from I think where Witchhampton in the fold as well so they've they strengthened even a bit more during the course of the season um, and haven't beaten us 4-1 it was um, a good victory really to come back and win 1-0 yep. So two great wins for our sides there both 1-0 two clean sheets uh, other results in the senior league were Blandford 2 Broadstone 2 Chickrell 1 Corfe Mullen 2 Cranbourne of Neil Westerns 1 obviously and Dorch Sports 1 Paul Borough 1 Wincanton 1 Bevanster 4 Can I just just ask Matty a question? Yeah of course Am I right in believing that Mere Town players were calling up Cranbourne (laughs) Clubhouse for the result? 
I, I'm, I don't think Matty took any phone calls, so let's leave rumours yeah, be, shall we? <laughs> ten times he rang up the clubhouse after the result. Um, I think that shows how well the resis are doing yeah. to challenge them for the title. Okay, well, on that note, there is a long way to go. Um, Mir are top of the league by a point, but we have a game in hand. Uh, four points behind us are Tisbury, but they also have a game in hand on us. So again, just like the DPL, the Dorset Senior League is very, very tight at the top. Uh, there is the reserves have nine games left, so there is a long way to go. Mir have eight games to go, got to play Tisbury as well, and so. Mir and Tisbury still to play each other. So that's interesting. Uh, the under 18s have not played again uh, in preparation for their uh, County Cup. Uh, semi-final on Sunday which is away at Whirl if anyone fancies a trip they've got a friendly against Glastonbury tomorrow night because uh, they haven't played for a while so it'll be good to get back in action in readiness for their semi-final okay so we've got a couple of topics uh, suggested tonight by Murphs so first one 3G forward slash 4G pitches against grass pitches and our thoughts on them I guess as it's a topic you suggested you've, you've done a load of research and you're going to talk to us about it so set the scene I am um, indeed so no the, the <clears throat> when you asked for some topics I just thought it was a good one because I saw that um, Stephen Gerrard had said about it in the Scottish League um, about how he thinks it's ruining Scottish football um, I don't think there's any Prem or there's no football league sites in England that have got them I don't know who no so it's, do you, you're not allowed to have one in the football league oh, okay yeah so but I think we've I've played a few 90 minute games on it like the cup final against Holt at the county ground and it's a bit of a different surface and I don't particularly like playing on it but just kind of it's the uh, the cons of the injuries and the the kind of change in football against the positives of being able to get a game on all the time and stop the fixture backlog you get in April May on rock hard pitches because you've had January February March rained off Okay, so let's start with uh, the state of the pitches then. The, um, Tom, I mean, I don't know about these two younger lads, but me and you will probably remember when AstroTurfs was first in and the likes of there were some league clubs such as Oldham and Luton and QPR who did have the plastic pitches. And then obviously Yeovil Town had one as a training ground put in, which you probably played on as much as I did. The, quali- the quality of 3-4G pitches compared to that oh, sandy is completely different, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're completely different. Completely different. What the one at Yeovil Town was awful, awful. You know, you'd fall over and wake up in the middle of the night, stuck to the bed, with like weeping wounds and just awful. But so undeniably, the pitches have improved. I'm not taking that either way. They're they're more better than they they were, and they have been in the past. Uh, in terms of where you can go with a three or four G pitch, you can go anywhere including the conference but you cannot come into the football league there was, I think it was Sutton who were getting close a couple of years ago but they had a plastic pitch and would have had to change it should they, should they wanted to go up which I'm sure they would have done but the opportunity wasn't there some international didn't. games played on 3G pitch as well England have played haven't yeah. they? Yeah. again you, you well because that's only the, the law in this country so you can play 3G pitch particularly in countries with temperature problems because it's again more of a problem you know if you're in Russia or Ukraine and it goes down to minus 30 you ain't getting a game on where if you've got an AstroTurf it's a lot easier so 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 let's take you know we've played on the county grounds pitch for the last couple of seasons not this year but this year Dorch Town have had one put in which is where Dorch Sports are playing come the end of the season when the pitch or even in August when we start the season the pitches are rock hard absolutely you know 
some particularly at the end of the season maybe bumps and bobbles and they've dried rock hard and is that a, a harder or a less hard surface than a, an AstroTurf is it more demanding on you or is it less demanding on you I just think I, I don't think I'm yet to play a game on normal grass pitch that I've found harder than playing on 3G I just don't like playing on 3G I, mindset as well don't feel like I'm in a proper game it feels like the defender like I don't know your defenders don't slide in as much and which maybe as a striker is not too much of a bad thing but um, I know the pitches are hard in April and stuff like that but it just you still seem to play I don't know I, I just I prefer football on it I don't I don't I don't see the obviously the benefits are there in regards to weather and stuff like that but beyond it being playable in any condition I I can't see why what the benefit would be of it okay so Matty I mean I mean one of the one of the benefits I would see of it is that you've got a perfect pitch to play on you've got no bubbles no bumps <laughs> no surfaces if you're what would be described as a football inside then surely you've got to enjoy playing on it yeah I mean um, funnily enough I was, I was helping Harry out with some work on Sunday um, we happen to be swinging past Ockham and the um, under 15s I think we're playing out there on Sunday um, and the pitch was pretty hideous up there I mean from a point of developing your skills there's no chance the under 15s when playing on that pitch were really improving their um, the ball's popping over the foot they couldn't, keep a, couldn't get a clean connection so from that perspective a 3G slash 4G pitch would have probably helped them so on that note then, when we've played, uh, obviously, like I say, Ham United have, reserves have chosen to go a different path this season. But when we played Ham United reserves previously, they've always generally had a very young side uh, and they've zipped the ball around lovely. They're a good football inside. Is putting, take that example of our, our under-15 youngsters out odd, complaining on a, a pitch with bumps and bubbles and the rest of it, encouraging their development or is playing on a lovely pitch where they can play football better for their development (laughs) that's left Tom speechless I'll ask Murph (laughs) I mean if I suppose there's a a could potentially be an argument that if all your youth players played on those fast zippy pitches and when it came to playing on other or normal surfaces would they suddenly be fantastic football insides against other nation sides and stuff like that so there's potentially an argument for that there but I don't think you'll ever get to the stage where all football is played on plastic pitches so um, if you if you're a side I don't know like I wonder with like Dorchester first team they play all their first game first team games on this amazing surface for playing quick nice football do they go to some of the pitches they probably play on against other sides which over the winter and struggle because they can't get the ball down and they, they don't you know, not used to playing long ball football and, and struggle through that way. So I suppose it's a 50-50 kind of thing. And on the flip side to that, then, if you want to look at it the other way, do teams who play their football on these dodgy pitches where they're not so great and they knock it out to the full-backs who lock long balls into centre-forward or centre-arse who ping balls out to the channels, when they come to play on this home surface, are they struggling because all of a sudden that's a completely different method- methodology to what they're used to? Potentially, it might be why they're not allowed in in some leagues is because it's almost like playing two different games. Um, okay, so I did a bit of research on this because I, uh, I, I, I wondered if you had it, you wouldn't do. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, the injury rate, if you take, this is only on a, a smallish comparison, obviously, I don't think there's been any massive, massive studies, but the injury rate per 1,000 hours played 
on AstroTurf or 3G, 4G is 129 per one per thousand hours against 89.6 suffered on grass. So that's quite a significant difference. So for every thousand hours played on grass, there is... 30 more injuries. Yeah, there's 30 more injuries. And then if you take the severity of that injury, if the ones sustained on AstroTurf put players out for 37 days, where they're once on, on average, and the ones sustained on grass put people out for 32 on average. So there does seem to be something in there about injuries, without question. Yeah, I think um, from, from personal experience, I've suffered a bit over the last few years with like groin injuries and just playing at Buckler's Meat, just, it, it seems to find any little niggle that you've got. If you, if you don't know that you've got it and um, you, you, you start you know, playing hour up there, it seems to find it. I don't know what it is about the surface because it feels bouncy and spongy, so it feels like it's more forgiving, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Okay, and, and the other flip side to this is um, it sort of relates to a topic we discussed on last week's pod, which none of you were on, but I'm sure you all listened to, was about participation. One of the, the major things with the 3G, 4G thing is that although the men's 11-side game is declining in terms of numbers, participation overall remains the same, and it's down to the increase in small-sided games at places like Butler's Mead and other Astroturfs where they've got six, seven-side leagues on all the time, where there's less commitment, where people can go up and play once a week, once a fortnight without without the, the commitment of training and play, giving up all your Saturdays and there's things like some small-sided things, um, walking football, everything else, and obviously the, they don't need the, the groundsmen or the upkeep, so the, the costs are a lot less overall. So it, it's part, the increase in participation of this sort of thing is partly because of these facilities. So is, is that affecting everyone or is it just a, is it, is it, is it a cost of doing it? Um, I don't know really. Like, like you said... People would prefer to play on rather than play on a Saturday moment. Would prefer to go and play on Butler's Mead on a Sunday evening or a Monday evening. Do you think all the people turning 16 to 17, 17, 18, you don't really see them come into men's football? I think it's because they're playing these smaller leagues up. Um, so I speak financially from a club. If you put a 3G pitch in, you can do more throughout the week. You can rent it out for other things. Absolutely. So from a financial perspective, there's obviously a gain there. That's why clubs are doing it. I suppose in the lower leagues. Um, but personally, like I said, I, preferred, I would prefer to be on a grass pitch. It's my preferences. Okay, so that's two of you definitely prefer grass. Tom, you got a preference, grass or astro? Grass, definitely. Okay, well, that's about, fairly conclusive. What about <laughs> our training area at Westlands, turning that into a 3G? Yeah, well, if you've got the money, mate, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Matty's got it with his role. <laughs> okay, well, that's that sorted then. Okay, and the other topic you said, Merce... Um, very again very topical very good uh, so the FA Cup your question was has it lo- lost its magic do you want to elaborate slightly yeah I just saw on Twitter a couple of um, the journalists that I follow on Twitter had said that they think that the FA Cup is losing some of its kind of magic um, I think maybe when you start to get to this sort of rounds then teams start to you know think about the size of the prize but I, I doubt me and Matty remember it probably more YouTube boys but they uh, said they were saying that FA Cup used to tra- traditionally be every game Saturday three o'clock each yeah. round and kind of have it there I think in this round there's been eight games all televised between Friday and Monday night and 
Pretty much, apart from the, the one that kicked off at three o'clock on a Saturday, yeah. And um, I think in, it was a couple of rounds ago when there were 32 ties in it, only 10 were kicking off at three on a Saturday. So are you saying that kickoff times has an impact on the magic and the fact that some is more available to watch has is, is damaged it? No, or is, is it not making it more available and in, in increasing the, the opportunity to watch an upset? Yeah, I, I don't particularly mind it. I like, I like having footy on TV. So, you know, between, between the FA Cup and Europa League and Champions League, you're probably going to have a game that you can watch on TV from the Friday of the first FA Cup game through to Thursday Europa League. So I don't mind it. But it was just a, a comment that a few journalists have made that seemed that the, they thought that the FA Cup was losing its magic and you see a lot of teams now like especially promotion chasing teams or relegation fighting teams that almost want out of the cup and you see almost like league one teams playing their second string in when they potentially cause a cup set because they just want to be out of it because they know they probably think eventually we're going to get knocked out there and the the size of the prize is staying in the league or going up in their league is a lot bigger now okay i mean i can certainly see i mean We'll come to this, but I can see some teams may have reasons, and I'll explain why I think some of them might have reasons to put out weaker sides in a minute. But for certainly the earlier rounds, for the bigger sides, the third round, fourth round, the games are on a Saturday. They've got a game the Saturday before, they've got the FA Cup game on a Saturday, or over that weekend anyway. And, a, and another league game the following weekend so they've got a whole week it's not like they're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday th- whatever it is Okay. so at that point we're talking about rotation and rest do they need to rest players at those points? I don't think it's, they need to rest them but when they've got squads of 20, 22 players and so and so has been on the bench for the last five weeks it gives him an opportunity to give him 90 minutes, make him feel a bit more special, and then just integrate him into the, into the team, and it helps the squad. Because that's the point, mate, isn't it? They, you know, the, the, certainly the bigger teams, maybe not the, not the League One sides or the Championships more so, and then the, you get to the Premier League, and they've got squads of 25 people. There's, you know, there's people talk about having a best start in 11 and for a lot of Premier League sides that's the case and they will start a lot of the games the higher up you get that's less so Man City probably have two players for every single position so at some point these squad players have got to get a game haven't they so it it's, seems to be the cup that's that's the chosen venue yeah I, I think like, I think Man City the other, uh, the other game they feel in a strong 11 who do they have in the, in the week I mean it made, they made, I think it made a lot of changes but Man City's squad is just so strong that their yeah. second side is strong. Yeah, they're a strong um, squad. I think um, Tottenham the other day brought Harry Kane on with 20 minutes to go, wasn't it? When they were 5 0 up. When they were 5 0 up. So they were taking it seriously. Mm. Um, but you do see the point sometimes if you're fighting relegation or fighting promotion, that's probably your priority. And if you haven't got the biggest of squads, um, you probably want to prioritise your better players in those games and, and play your sort of uh, reserve players or the players that get so many minutes in the cup. I mean, I, I, would, I would suggest that I don't think that the magic of winning the FA Cup has changed for any player or manager, but the size of the prize may have changed and there's more at stake. For winning the FA Cup, you get three and a half million. For winning the Premier League, you get, I don't know, 70, 80 million, yeah. and you're just two million down per place you go down. So staying in the Premier League is worth 40 million to somebody. Winning the FA Cup is worth three and a half million. 
if not as players and as managers who I'm sure would like a, winnings, a winner's FA Cup medal on their CV for the, the executives and the boards of directors and the chairman of those clubs their priority is not winning the FA Cup is it it's being in the Premier League or it's finishing those two or three places higher because it's more money or it's, or it's which, which, wherever you are in that league it's, it's all about position because that's where the money comes from and allows you to get bigger and better yeah I think, I think there's two parts to it so the, the bit I said about the Saturday at three o'clock I've remembered what the point was there it was kind of the fact that you how like when you see that an international breaks come in you dread it don't you you hate yeah, yeah, it there's no Premier definitely. League on you hate international break on the obviously the Nations Leagues come in but on the whole it's normally England away at Andorra and then home to like Slovenia and you're thinking it's just a weekend without the Prem and I think that's kind of what happens with the FA Cup is you have up until this well including this round you don't have any Prem games on really and because the games aren't all on at 3 o'clock on a Saturday it means that the whole day of football kind of changes match of the day is like what was it one game with the FA Cup so I don't know if they'd have even done it Saturday night so I think I think it's that sort of thing that means that people kind of dread FA Cup weekends which is maybe not what it should be but yeah that, that, that was the point on that but coming back to the size of the prize one of the things that I saw suggested was that the fourth place in the Premier League to potentially be the Champions League uh, fourth place in the Premier League Champion League spot to go to the winner of the FA Cup and potentially then when you look now I know Man City are still in it and their second string side are probably going to walk it and then they'll win it and so it will go to fourth place in the Prem which I think for me and you is quite nice (laughs) from a United fans perspective for this year but if you were thinking now as I don't know think of a team that who are still in it who are maybe Wolves take Wolves yeah Wolves for example I think Brighton's a better example because Brighton are probably still needing a few wins to stay up same with Palace but potentially there if they were thinking rather than resting someone in the quarter final because they think you know we'll, we'll win two million but still we've got Huddersfield home at the weekend and we need all our players rested to guarantee three points there if you were thinking, well, hang on, we're two minutes away from being entered into the Champs League here, going into that third qualifying round, and then the lucrative side that comes with the group stage of that, then potentially you'd be more yeah. up for the cup. Yeah, it eliminates some of the risk of going down, doesn't it? Because you've got the Champs League yeah. money coming in. Although, albeit you would be a championship side... I think in the in the in the they got UEFA Cup from it or something yeah, like yeah. that, and then yeah. they were Championship UEFA Cup. So let's come on to that to the Wigan thing then. I mean, if they obviously won the FA Cup one year, beating famously beating City in the final, um, but still went down. And even though they've been down to League One since, and they're back up the Championship now, in any interview with anything you hear with any of their fans ever, if they're on the radio on the telly, they would not swap that for the world. They would take winning the FA Cup and going down every time. So it's football should football should be about the glory, shouldn't it? Yeah. So what do you say the prize winning for the FA Cup is three and a half million? Yeah. Yes, because if apart if maybe if you're a League One side, three and a half million is quite a lot. But if you're a top Championship side or Premiership yeah, side, side, three and a half million doesn't really get you far now. So probably is a lot more in it if you're getting the Champions League. So spot maybe the four spot give the Champions League would definitely um, encourage sides to go for it more because three and a half million is not going to get you very far now. So take um, the example of Spurs then. Um, Pochettino, he spent no money in the summer. It's probably partly due to the financial restraints of moving stadium and all the rest of it. If there's a Champions League spot at the end of the FA Cup, would he be more keen to go for it 
rather than knowing that for him he has to finish in the Champions League spot to be able to have any chance of spending any money this summer it's another yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would go I would say he's gonna he's got to look at finishing top four <clears throat> rather than FA Cup I think that's what he's being told by everybody everybody oh, involved by, in the club certainly by Daniel Lee at higher is telling him you've got to be got to be Champions League yeah. otherwise you've got no money and also Tottenham know that if he doesn't qualify for the Champions League he's probably going to leave to another club so then it becomes all a vicious circle of so-called if you that's the unfortunate thing is Champions League is the massive priority over over FA Cup League Cup over winning over winning trophies and in this round not that it happened this was going to be the first round where there were well it was the first round there there were no replays or there wouldn't have been replays is that something we should look at because is, is this the right point of the competition to bring it in because there's less lower league sides because realistically the FA Cup should be about the lower league size as well and if they if they manage to get a draw at home and go away to sort of a big side and it sets them up for several years doesn't it we don't want to lose we don't want to grassroots clubs or lower league clubs are struggling we don't want to lose them the opportunity of that financial payout do we? No there's, well, there's two sides that really like, if you're a lower side and you manage to get a manage to hold I don't know Man United at home then you obviously get a away day and a big payout however if you're Man United versus Tottenham and you get a draw you don't want to have an extra game added into your schedule so it, there's an argument from both sides personally I quite like it to see it done within just one game um, it gives the if it's just one game it gives the lower teams more of a chance to get through over two legs they're less likely to get through so I prefer just the one game format really but even like I mean you take I don't know let's take Newport even not this season but last season they beat Leeds and they drew with Spurs at home they deserved a day out at Wembley didn't they did not to, they didn't deserve to lose that game on penalties a half an hour later surely yeah I, I think there's been years gone by where um, team, you know lower league teams have been say winning 2-1 away at a, a Premier League side and the owners have sat in the stands and actively said they're hoping for an equaliser because the money that the replay can have will set them up for the next two, three years, whereas realistically they might win 2-1 and hold on for the win against Spurs and then get drawn away at a championship side and crash out. So it's more the financial stuff. But I think this fifth round is is a good opportunity to I don't think you're going to get too many League 1, League 2 sides in it. Um, if they get through to that round, they've probably made the money that they're looking to from the FA Cup. and it um, Certainly more than they budgeted for, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and you know the, I don't there wasn't anything went to was there to, no, no replay no, no re, well, no there was nothing time. that went to extra time but um, everyone enjoys a penalty shootout and yeah. with all the games on from round five onwards being on TV then um, again it's good opportunity for people to tune in if there's uh, extra time and penalties okay so I'm not sure we've, we've answered the question of the magic of the FA Cup and whether it's still there or still not however um, is a question for you all then so if you had the option for your side finishing fourth place or winning the FA Cup what would you take? Uh, finishing fourth fourth yeah fourth if you had the opportunity uh, you had the option of your team winning the FA Cup but being relegated at the same time would you take it? Man United never yeah but just you know just imagine you're a okay, supporter of Wigan right, I'm, I'm a Wigan fan uh, 
Yes, I would. Would you? Would you? If your team won the FA Cup, but also were, were going down, would you take the FA Cup win, or would you give it up to stay in the Premier? I personally would want to win the FA Cup, but. Um, I'd probably prefer to stay in the league. So a mixed reaction to that last one, but three people here would all rather finish fourth than win a trophy, which I don't know. I don't know what that says about the magic of the FA Cup. Um, You surely want Champions League footy because that's a chance to win a huge trophy next year as opposed to an FA Cup with how many FA Cups have you seen United win? Well, lots, but it's always good to see him win another one, isn't it? Because we're still behind Arsenal in the all-time list. So maybe this year. Okay, I think we ought to mention um, Gordon Banks has sadly passed away this last week. And um, obviously none of us are old enough here to have ever seen him play, if we're honest about it. But we've all seen clips. Tom, you're a goalkeeper. I mean, talk us through that save. (laughs) Everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen it on TV. Fantastic, and it? it's just it's been on, been replayed so many times. He he was uh, obviously one. They're saying probably the top three or four ever. And that save, Pele says he knew it was in. He was off celebrating. Yeah. And uh, I heard uh, it's nice to see on Pele's tribute to Gordon Banks. He said this week that. Um, the first thing people ask him about or when he sees him is about that save. He said, I've scored over a thousand goals and the thing people always ask me about is that save, um, which is nice. And um, it turns out, well, it seems that Gordon Blanks was just a very nice man. And, um, and Pele says in some ways afterwards, I'm really glad he saved it because we've been friends ever since. And uh, Bob Wilson, the former Arsenal legendary goalkeeper, said he used to go and watch Gordon Blanks when he played at Chesterfield and stood behind one goal at first half and then used to be able to swap round and go to stand behind the other end and watch him goalkeeper in the second half as well which is which is a luxury that modern football fans probably don't quite enjoy as much but there we go okay just to finish it off then uh, final question for you all bit of a random one I don't know if you heard last week's random question but you're getting one as well it's not quite as bad so listen carefully you've got a couple of seconds thinking time what sport would it be the funniest to add a mandatory amount of alcohol to so think what sport would it be make it would improve it if participants had to drink a certain amount of alcohol before playing and I think we can rule out snooker and darts because they used to do that <laughs> so, any other suggestions it's tough uh, horse racing <laughs> and participants you have to flip a coin whether it's the jockey or the horse <laughs> who drinks Nice one. Any other suggestions from around the table? Ski jumping. <laughs> that just sounds positively dangerous. <laughs> Pole vaulting. Pole vaulting. And if I had to put a suggestion in, I was going to say javelin or possibly more likely shot put. Uh, sorry, not, um, hammer. Because I can't really see that leaving the cage, if I'm honest, or maybe discus, but there we go. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You can catch our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you can find your podcasts. Please subscribe and give us a nice rating. And also, we'd love for you to get in touch. Use the hashtag WFCPod on Twitter or contact us via any other of our social media outlets. I'll say that. Uh, I would like to thank Alex Murphy, Tom Beer, Matt Phillips for their time this evening and wish all of our teams the best of luck this weekend.